Hey there, thank you so much for supporting your favorite Locked On podcast. Today we have a bonus episode for you in light of the University of Texas and Oklahoma University beginning their transition to the SEC. So much news to discuss that we had to get our Locked On talent together with our partners over at Tegna, including Jason Whiteley of WFAA, who actually broke the news about the potential transition to the SEC. For more fantastic content like this, make sure you're subscribed to your favorite Locked On podcast. They are walking the walk, and now we're talking the talk. Welcome to this roundtable discussion. Without the roundtable on the SEC, the Big 12, and everything in between. My name is Jason Bristol from KHOU 11 News in Houston. Let's introduce our panel. We have a lot to talk about. It will do it in alphabetical order. We have Chris Gordy from Lockdown SEC Podcast, Jeff Jones, KVU in Austin, the sports director there, Josh Neighbors, Lockdown Big 12 Podcast. Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies, and then, of course, senior reporter from WFAA-TV in Dallas, Jason Whiteley. Now, let's start with you, Jason. You reported that tomorrow we'll be having a vote. The SEC will have a vote on whether to allow Texas and Oklahoma in. Um, any idea on how soon we'll know the outcome? Yeah, gentlemen, good afternoon to you. I mean, my sources are telling me this vote's going to happen tomorrow. All 14 schools will vote my folks who have been in on the inside of this are pretty confident in saying that they think it will likely be a 14 to 0 vote on this on allowing Texas and OU in and then immediately after this vote happens tomorrow afternoon we are expecting a statement from the SEC announcing this so when you think about it this this whole thing is likely done tomorrow it's it's been less than a week here since this all became public this has been going on for more than a year but, you know, this time tomorrow afternoon, this whole thing can be done. Texas and OU on their way to the SEC, Jason. 14 to zero. That's what they're um, telling me. Does that surprise everybody? You know, I, I think the easy answer is yes. You know, a lot of people expected A&M to, to be the lone no vote. But we've seen and heard the shift in the tone coming from College Station recently. They didn't want to be that that one sore finger standing out of the fist, you know. So I think 14-0 sounds right. Um, and, hey, let's start this first big 16-team super conference the right way with everybody at least appearing to be welcoming. Yeah, and kind of going off of what Jeff said, you have to remember that back in 2010 when this happened under R. Lofton, uh, Bo and Lofton, they moved very fast. This was another thing that really kind of proceeded in a matter of weeks. And then by 2011, it was the final year, 2012, first year in the SEC for Texas A&M. You had that same kind of conversation once again where maybe A&M is the one team on the outside looking in with how everything kind of unfolded. But overall, I think Jeff brings up a lot of great points. And number one is if the SEC wants it done, the SEC will get it done, whether Texas A&M stands in the way or not. Yeah, the thing to remember, guys, is we're all slow on this. Like, we're all behind. We're all hearing this for the first time. These discussions go back a year ago. I mean... Well, I'm standing there at SEC Media Days last week, right in front of Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, and he's just deflecting, 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 but not saying no. And I think that's what stood out to all of us is we were saying, this is going to happen. This is happening. So we're all catching up on this, but everybody for the past few months, they've known about this. Do we think everybody except A&M has known about this for the past few months? Like, Chris, when we were finding out last week, as you mentioned, during SEC media days, is that when the Aggies were finding out maybe the vote would have been 13-1 to 1 then, but it's 14-0 tomorrow? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, because Ross Bjork, the athletic director for 
Texas A&M, he came out and said last week, we prided ourselves on being the lone school in the state of Texas that's in the SEC. And so about 48, 72 hours later, we heard kind of a retraction saying, we look forward to welcoming anyone. And so you can see they kind of got to the Aggies at that point. Well, I also think you got to consider this in a little bit of a way that maybe there were people at Texas A&M who did know about it, but maybe it wasn't Ross Bjork and, of course, Jimbo Fisher. Maybe those were the two who had no idea that this was going on. Maybe that the team, uh, the, the school president, Miss like Kathy Bates, was able to know that this was something that was in the works for a while. You don't know exactly who knew what, and maybe that was why there was such backlash from Ross Bjork during that call by mom segment, because of maybe he was left in the dark but not by the SEC, but rather by the school. But I also have to believe this is good for the Big 12 because now they can move forward with some certainty. They can go out and, quote unquote, make their sales pitches to other schools saying, all right, this is what we're moving forward with. At least this is what we think we're moving forward with. Who wants to come join us? What do you think about that, Josh? Uh, they're going to try. I mean, this came out of nowhere. The one person I can tell you who I know for a fact did not know this was Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner. Um, he said last week at SC or two weeks ago now at Big 12 Media Days that, hey, the conference feels strong, united together. We're not too worried about expansion. And then a week later, uh, news comes out that OU and Texas are jumping ship. And look, if I'm, you know, if I'm the other eight schools, I'm making calls. If I'm West Virginia, I'm making calls. Uh, everybody else, I'm I'm skeptical the Big Twelve is gonna gonna exist in three or four years. I'd be more uh, more apt to say that at least a majority of the eight schools that we have now left after this might be elsewhere. I think it's kind of trending that way right now. Josh, I'm hearing the same thing here too, man. Everyone's talking about the Big Twelve is essentially done after Texas and OU goes. That everyone else is gonna you know pair up and partner up with someone else and go find another conference. So that that's not entirely uh, out of the question from what my uh, sources are telling me. Right. And I mean, you think about it like West Virginia is a school that has complained about the amount of travel, which I mean, they travel more than any other school in the continental United States uh, because of their conference affiliation. Now the Big Ten and the ACC potential options, you know, to move there. Um, TCU and Baylor, we talked about a bit before we came on, but they might struggle a little bit because conferences are can be finicky with, with religious affiliations. So that's a consideration we have to take in there. Would, would conferences want schools like Kansas State and Iowa State? Um, you know, in Texas Tech, like what value do they bring because they're not necessarily powerhouse programs. So a lot of questions are facing the remaining eight Big 12 schools. Um, and there's a chance they might be left out of other conferences. They do have to pull others. Try to get your Houston's, your SMU's, your Cincinnati's, your Memphis's, your BYU's and Boise State's. That's a question that I've heard a lot here in, in Austin. Of course, it's not the number one question I hear because the number one, two, three, four questions I hear are all about the Longhorns. But people often do ask What's going to happen with the Big 12? Are they going to be able to grab schools like the ones you just mentioned, Josh, a Houston or a SMU or BYU? Do we think that's a possibility, or do we think two years from now we'll be talking about um, the conference that was the Big 12? Well, yeah, they're going to have to make those calls, but people forget the two schools that made the Big 12 happen was OU and Texas. OU and Texas brought in the other schools to rest the fold, and that's an appealing sales pitch coming from those two. When it's t- Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, I'm sorry, but that sales pitch is not as appealing uh, as the sales pitch from other places. If Cincinnati could find their way into the Big Ten or the ACC, you know, you, we could see Cincinnati turning down uh, the Big 12, which, say that a year or two ago, you would get gotten laughed at. But now it's a realistic po- uh, possibility. And so I, I think the sales pitch for the remaining eight schools to get others to come with them, it's going to be an uphill climb. 
I do wonder overall, though, when you look at two of the main schools being Iowa State and Kansas, they are somewhat geographical locations near the Big Ten, but overall as well, they also are AAU schools, which is a big deal for Big Ten conferences. The only AAU school that isn't in the Big Ten right now is Nebraska, and they waived that clause to be able to get the Cornhuskers, and the Cornhuskers haven't done anything since leaving the Big 12. And, and those are some conversations that I think when you break it down with school presidents and when you break it down with commissioners, those are some things that maybe are going to come into circulation overall when you look at the Big 12 and how conference realignment could be. And my colleague here, Matt Musil, has mentioned, listen, if Texas is winning the Big 12, this conversation likely isn't happening because they're in the playoff or near the playoff. They're nationally prominent in terms of wins and losses and being on that national stage. Do you guys agree with that, that if Texas is playing for national championships right now, this might not be even happening? Jason, are you asking if Texas, if they were back? Uh, would they be? Would, would we have this conversation? Uh, no, I don't. Chris, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Josh, I was just saying. Like, I mean, the whole thing behind this is it's about money. I mean, I, I asked Paul Feinbaum last week when this news came out. I said, Paul, this clearly isn't about trying to win a championship because the easiest path to winning a championship for Texas and Oklahoma is just to beat one another, and then boom, you're in the playoff. That's what Oklahoma's kind of done the last handful of years. Texas was trying to get over that hump. They were close, but they never got there. But yeah, this just makes it that much more difficult. And the Aggies can tell you firsthand, look, they just had their best year last year since coming to the SEC. They went 9-1, still didn't win the SEC West, still didn't win the SEC, still didn't make the college football playoffs. So I just wonder, what is the end game here for Oklahoma and Texas other than money? Because it's not about winning championships. It's not about winning titles because, man, you just made the road for yourself that much tougher if you want to get there. Well, I yeah, think it's about positioning. Isn't it about positioning? Because if we get into these super conferences – it's better to be on the inside looking out than the outside looking in. Yep. Jason, I'm, I'm 100% with you. And Chris, I disagree with that. I think over the next, the short term, maybe the next four to eight years, it is going to be a lot tougher for a school like Texas to find itself in the playoff and winning a championship. But over the course of 15 years, like Jason just said, there's going to be an in-group and an out-group, a have, a have-not, an SEC and everyone else. And Texas and Oklahoma just position themselves to be in the in the in-crowd, at the cool kids table, as, as you said last week, Chris, to us here at a, here, here in the Tegna family. And so I think being at that cool kids table is, is very important. And what Texas can do, I forget who just mentioned it, but they can look at Texas A&M. The Aggies just had one of their best seasons in forever. Texas just has to ask themselves, if given the same resources, if given that SEC logo, can we match what Texas A&M did last year? Yes. When the playoff expands to 12 teams, like it definitely will, Texas, if they match what A&M did last year, will be in the playoff. That's positioning themselves for a championship, and they'll cash bigger checks in the SEC. I love the move. So if I could just break it down from a different perspective as well, I think both of you are right in a bit of a, your own way. Now, Chris is right because of, this is about money. This is all about money. And money talks. When you look at the revenue from the Big 12 last year, they were third with over $400,000. The SEC led all conferences in a COVID-19 season with $720 million in revenue. And then you have to look at the two programs in Oklahoma and Texas. What I really take away from this is as well as what Jeff was kind of alluding to, the college football playoff is going to expand to 12 teams. And in the SEC, it does just mean more. And that could mean more teams represented when it goes to 12 teams, because at that point, you have the sixth best available after the conference champions. And at that point, maybe we're changing the subject to where instead of sixth available, it's seven available. And if that conversation goes, Georgia, 
LSU, Texas A&M, Florida. You also can throw in Oklahoma, Texas, and even probably an Ole Miss team every once in a while all could find their way into the top 10 rankings to where they are guaranteed another shot of going to the college football playoff. Jimbo Fisher kind of said it best at SEC Media Days. He's all for college football playoff expansion because of one bad week does not define what a regular season is for these programs. That is something when you look at Texas A&M, who finished the highest in school history since 1939 in the AP polls. Those are conversations that have to be had. And in the SEC, it does mean more. More representation in the college football playoff. I think everyone is going to sign up for that. I just I just want to bring this back to something that Chris and I talked about last week. Um, the idea that what is the point of all this and is, is like, is it about money or is it about winning? Because for Oklahoma, I see it. Sure. You're going to the big 12 or going to the SEC and they're kind of on par with Georgia right now. I think it's kind of a good comp of where they are as a program for Texas. Like that climb is going to be just that a climb because they already recruited to the high level. But Elliott has what's called the blue chip ratio. And in the blue chip ratio, there's a certain amount of teams each year that have a certain amount of four and five stars. And it's really only those teams can win a national championship. Texas is in it every single year. They never come close to winning a championship. They have not in a very long time. And so for them, does going to the SEC make you more competitive now? I think recruiting against Arkansas, Missouri, LSU, it makes you more competitive. But Texas ain't jumping into Georgia. They're not going down to Alabama. They're not going to those places to recruit. So Texas, to me, it's like this move, yes, it's more money. That's really what it is in the end of the day because their road to getting back to prominence is more than just going to the Southeastern Conference. It's more than just having better recruiting. It's more than more money because they've had problems for decades now since Mac Brown left. So well, I think why, that's something we have to talk about. That's why conference alignment is going to matter so much. Who right. is in, on what side? Who's on this side? I mean – you're, you're kidding yourself if you're a Longhorn fan and you think taking Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Iowa State off your schedule and adding road trips to the Swamp, road trips to, to Death Valley and Georgia. I mean, if you think adding those games to your schedule is going to make it easier, it's not going to. And then all I got to do is rewind back to 2011 when LSU had this miraculous season, was able to escape Alabama and Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa, winning by a field goal. Guess who they saw again in the playoff? Alabama in the national championship game. So it's one of those things where if you're Texas, let's say you have the game of your life and you beat Alabama and you're right there in the driver's seat in the SEC, guess who you're going to see again in the playoff? Alabama. So when we talk about being at the cool kids table, there's only one cool kid right now in all college football. It's Nick Saban. As long as he is in the SEC West, he owns this conference. He owns it. It doesn't matter. Even when he loses, they still get into the playoffs. So that's what that's the hill you got to climb over if you're Texas and Oklahoma. And why bring that burden on yourself? It's just going to hurt your program. Before I go any further, just real fast, never forget that this was a, a Texas A&M team in 2012 that just came over from the Big 12 and marched into Tuscaloosa, Alabama to defeat Nick Saban at home in their first year. And what was the outcome of that game? Texas A&M went to the Cotton Bowl to play Oklahoma. Alabama hoisted up their 13th national title against Notre Dame. So Chris is 100% right. And yeah, I mean, you do look at Texas overall. They're 191, 89, and 8 against big, uh, SEC programs in all-time history. But this was a Big 12 team in Texas A&M that marched into Tuscaloosa with Johnny Manziel. And Alabama still won the national title. And A&M is still looking for their first win over the Crimson Tide since. If the I question is, will Texas be Alabama in the near future? The answer is probably no, but they have positioned themselves to be 
oh, Texas is always going to be relevant in some way. But they position themselves to be relevant in the top echelon of college athletics for the long term. And so when they do start to recruit, maybe not like the Alabamas, but like the the Georgias, the LSUs. So right there at that top level, just not as high as maybe Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, but in that top five range, I think I think we can see them rise to the top of the SEC. Gentlemen, l- let me ask this question here. This is one I'm getting a lot, and you guys are, are much more intimately familiar with sports than I am on, on a, a granular level, but everyone is curious how soon this is going to happen. We know what happened a decade ago, as uh, Cole mentioned, with uh, A&M when it went to the SEC, but everything that I'm hearing from my sources is after the SEC makes its statement saying that the uh, the schools have, have allowed Texas and OU to join the SEC – then it goes straight to the attorneys and the attorneys work out the language and try to figure out how soon, how much money it might take to get Texas to know you to play as soon as possible. What are you guys thinking on that? Jason, well, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't Texas, wouldn't Texas and Oklahoma hope that the big 12 falls like a house of cards right away so they don't have to pay any exit fees? That's what well, the hope is. That's what they'd hope. But, but here's the thing is that, you know, you wouldn't break up with your significant other and then say, but let's, let's write out the lease, right? Let's, let's wait until the lease ends before right. we head out. Right. I mean, the the Southeastern Conference is going to help them make this happen. Whether they they could basically say, hey, with our revenue in the upcoming years, we could shape out more of it for these schools to pay those exit fees, whatever it is, to make up money. Also, they're going to make it up. The contract is going to be, I mean, in the next 15 to 20 years, the amount of money those two schools are going to bring to that conference, it will be worth it. And they'll they'll make this happen. There is no way this thing goes. I mean, read the statement. It said, we um, intend on honoring our contract right. while monitoring the changing landscape of college athletics. That's all you have to know right there. They ain't staying. There's no way they stay till 2024-2025. I, I completely agree. That's what I'm hearing on my end, too. The, I, I can't see them playing any more than this last season uh, in the Big 12, though. I, am I wrong on that? Do you guys think yeah. that they'll play more than one season? Everybody I've talked to seems to think 2022 is the year. I mean, that you, you play out this year, yeah. 2022 is what they'll have their sights set on. Now, the weird thing is, it's kind of awkward, is uh, Texas had home-and-home home scheduled in the future years with Georgia, with Alabama. So I guess all those get scrapped, and uh, and you kind of rework it out. But, yeah, everything I've heard, all signs point to this happening in 2022. It's just amazing how quickly this thing came to fruition and how quickly they made it happen. What I want to be keeping a close eye on, though, is how soon the Big 12 dissolves. What goes into this next? Does the ACC start calling Notre Dame and say, hey, listen, you're already a team that's represented in the ACC. Either join in football or get out because we want to make it a 16-team conference as well by adding West Virginia. How soon will Kansas State and Oklahoma State and Texas Tech be able to find their own homes? And will the Big 12 just last until 2025 when the conference deal actually ends? And also, no offense, Josh, it hasn't been the Big 12 since 2011. It's been the Big, it's been the big 10, really, when you break it down. <laughs> Is this going to continue to happen where we call it the Big 12 and it's really the Big 8, kind of like we call the Big 10, the Big 10, and it's really 14? Just, to, just to give an additional more. piece of context on this, and we were talking about this before we came on, Baylor, the reigning Nash champions and the second most popular college sport, college basketball, might not have a home for a conference. Absolutely. That, just, that gives you an idea of how how far ahead football is of everything else. Kansas, one of the more, most storied programs in all of college basketball, might not have a home. That is, that is how serious football is, and that's how much that drives the entire conversation here over everything else. And that's something we have to keep in mind 
when realignment happens too. It's about football. It's not going to be very much about basketball. I don't know if I'm like the Big Ten. I think I would go to the Pac-12 and say, hey, you guys want to join forces? Maybe I'm crazy, but it just seems like with these super conferences on the horizon, it's better to get out in front than be left behind. Well, we got to think about travel costs, right, Jason? I mean, to go from Columbus, Ohio to Eugene, Oregon, back well, to you'd Michigan. Have two back divisions. To... You'd have two divisions. You know, you'd have your Pac-12 division and your Big Ten division, but you'd all be under one umbrella. I, I'd heard an idea somebody floated about them having a part, strategic partnership, basically. So what you do with that partnership is, you know, if, if both of them are under the Fox umbrella, let's just say that because that's what the Big Ten is right now. And I know the Pac-12 has had some of their games on Fox before. Um, what you would do is you would say, all right, we're going to make these matchups, Ohio State, Oregon, uh, Michigan versus USC. In basketball, Michigan State, UCLA. So basically what you can do as two conferences is still maintain your independence. But with that uh, scheduling, you can create partnerships that create very lucrative, potentially, uh, you know, you could do neutral site games for all of these sports. And so that could help feed into what could be some kind of joint agreement or contract. So I don't see those two conferences joining, but maybe in the sense of them joining forces to have certain competitions. Because I do think Chris is right. At some point, you, we can't be busing unpaid labor across the country and flying them to play these games so all the people, you know, the fat cats can sit back and make all the cash. That's a really bad look. They will get sued if they do that. Okay, and this so name more. image likeness deal for some players, start a bus company. I think I solved that problem. <laughs> yeah, an airline, right? An, air, an NIL, yeah. yeah, you need to sign a contract with an airline or something like that, right? Hey, and we I have a Facebook. Oh, go ahead. I just think that this could work overall because if you do see this already with the SEC and Big 12 challenge in basketball. So there is a way to where you could have certain marquee games featured and you say the Pac-12 and you say the Big 10, but it's going to have to be in every single sport. And that's where some of the conversations I really think do matter. Are you going to be able to have these big time games, Oregon versus Ohio State every year in both basketball and in, in football? Are you going to be able to have USC versus a Michigan every single season in every single sport? That's where I think the really big conversation starts. We have a Facebook question from Benjamin Myers, who is watching. The question is, so there would be more competition for the top spots as far as playoff time, right? I would say so. I mean, I would have to imagine there would. And I think that it really would matter in what conference you're playing in, especially in the SEC, where you do look at the teams right now. If the college football playoff were to expand to four teams last year, they would have been the most represented with Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, and Florida. And that would likely be the same case this year, probably even throw LSU into the conversation after they've had a full offseason to really regroup and firing Bo Pelini. So, yeah, I do think that when you add Texas and Oklahoma to the mix in every single sport, I mean, talk about football, talk about baseball, talk about basketball. Baseball alone, Texas was a game away and an out away from going into extra innings against Mississippi State to go represent the national championship in Omaha. So it could happen. And I do think that when you look at strategic and overall, I would say, level of play, it really does matter, especially for seeding, even if you are expanding the college football playoff. They're going to have to restructure it um, because the current way they have it to be the 12 that we heard it was going to be, it'd be the six highest ranked of whatever, five or six ranked high uh, conference champions. Well, if you take out the big 12, um, then you're going to add, you know, the Sun Belt and AAC champions would get in there somehow. You know, so you might be you might be setting yourself up for that. So that's something to watch is what will the actual restructuring of the playoff look like now that these and because a lot's about to change. What's that going to look like? Because it's going to be 12 teams. Sure. 
but how do we reach those 12 and what are the criteria that will determine because on its face right now, it's still going to be really difficult for those second, third, and fourth, uh, well, third, third, fourth, fifth SEC teams at some points it, and, until maybe they do restructure it something. something. My other question in all this is what happens with the smaller schools that enjoy the paycheck games? I mean, if you yeah. expand the SEC, I've heard there's been rumblings the SEC may go to nine conference games. So that means you only have three non-conference games. If you still are doing the power five, you know, big non-conference game, that leaves you two scrub opponents per se. So the Rices, the New Mexico State, you know, those kind of schools that come in to get a paycheck, you suddenly have a lot less of that. And those schools rely on that million-dollar payday to come in and get their butt whooped by Bama 70-3. to So I'll be curious to see what happens to those schools because you may start seeing the erosion of football programs out there if those schools aren't getting those big paydays from the big power dogs in the power conferences. And Jay Andrews also on Facebook has a – an observation. There's all also one other big factor here. UT and OU bring big followings to the SEC and are with ESPN, and ESPN can fold the Longhorn Network directly into the SEC network and make a big fat payday for, I guess, for the new SEC teams. Um, Longhorn Network play much of a role in this anymore? What a disaster that's been. That's been an out and out. That's been a, not a not a great venture for Texas. Because I Texas think they, hasn't been a winner. That's why. I right? think. I think. Well, I mean, we're also going to watch a Rose Bowl and re, you know Rose Bowl replay on you know, the entire entire day. I mean, that's, that's all and it graduations. Is. Don't forget graduations. Yeah, and graduations. There you go. And there, I think one uh, one game a year goes on the Longhorn Network for football. But I, I look. They're luckily for them. You know, this this person's right. They can fold that in, and I think Texas might be uh, pretty glad to say goodbye to what has been kind of an unfruitful venture for them. Money-wise, it's been great, but I think the success of it's kind of, it's been, it's been a joke. So I think the running joke ending would be helpful for them. Hey, but Josh, let we'll me right ask you, I'm sorry, Cole, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. One, one oh, thing, that, one, one thing I'm hearing a lot is just how ticked off the Baylor fans are. And I think you mentioned, you mentioned that Baylor might find itself without a conference. I think that was you uh, or mm-hmm. someone else here. Yeah. What happens to Baylor in this? Because Baylor was, you know, supposedly blindsided by it, and, and their fans really don't know what to do. Yeah, they've they've got some thinking to do. I mean, I think for them, maybe the AAC is a choice, is, is a place they could go. But once again, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and I think the Pac-12 especially, might steer clear of any of anybody with religious affiliations. That that's just something that conferences don't want to have to deal with sometimes just because it, you know, it, certain hurdles you have to jump through and certain value sets may not want to add. Uh, and, you know, when you make them part of a group, it's just not something sometimes negotiation wise people want. That's just me acknowledging kind of the realities of this. Could, so I think, could, I think there's a chance they're left out. What do you mean by left out? I mean, just, just left out of a conference, don't have a conference home? A, a, a power conference. So the, power the, conference. Pac, yeah, okay. the, the Pac 12, I mean, they could look, they could be an independent. Not sure they want to go that route, but right. I, I think for a pa- for for their sake, a power conference, hmm. the, either the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, Pac-12, which because those now seem like the four power conferences, they might be they might be left out of those four. I, I do just wonder though, does anybody else consider TCU and Baylor not power five schools if they were to go to the AAC? I mean, to me, that's like the biggest thing of all because. There's no way that you can kind of consider them not as a Power 5 school after winning a national championship. I mean, that that's at least my opinion. And maybe the AAC does get better with TCU and, and Baylor because of they also are going to get better in recruiting. But I view them still as a Power 5 school. And then we have that conversation of, well, what to do with the AAC because they're not a Power 5 conference. But 
they do have Power 5 programs now represented in there. I think yeah. the term Power 5 is going to be outdated very soon. I think yeah. we're going to call it the, the Gladiator 3 or the Super 4 <laughs> or something like that. The but Super, I think the super League. Is, well, the, the thing Jeff is referencing. And UT are gone. Jeff, what you're referencing is, is something that was floated a while ago, basically in soccer, the Super League, right? The Super League was this idea that the best clubs in Europe would come together, and it was actually a, a response to make up money lost in COVID. They would all come together and play, uh, you know, the biggest four in in in, uh, in England, in Spain, in Germany, all together would come and play these games. And we talk about a, you know, the Gladiator Conference, the super the Super League, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're talking about. Those names, so don't steal those. But yes, he's yeah, trademark <laughs> for you. So that's yeah. that's that's exactly what, you know. I think that's where we're heading, right? Is I mean, is there a chance that we end up with? You know, too. Does the ACC say sure? Let's jump in with the SEC. I mean, because you you might end up with a situation where there's just 40 teams that are just hey, we're the top 40. See y'all later. Sorry, everybody else. You know, other 60 some teams or 70 some teams in FBS. That could be where we're headed. And yeah, I do want to bring this up just Chris real fast, and maybe anybody who's to say that this is the end of expansion in the SEC. Right, and so the ACC could jump in, yeah. That's, what, that's what's been talked about. I mean, we've heard Florida State's names thrown out there, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, I'm just more upset by losing the Longhorn Network. Jeff, can we get Ricky Williams and Vince Young to jump over to the SEC Network now? <laughs> hey, if they're talking Longhorns, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw those guys chatting it up with them. Guys, there's an easy way to fix all of this. There's ESPN News, there's ESPN Plus, SEC Alternative Channel. There you go. They could, yeah. They, they, that channel just sits there. So yeah, that's the channel that runs the screensaver. Yeah, yeah. That graphic, Uh, that slate. Well, I'm glad that we have solved all of college football's issues and broadcasting, broadcast programming. So guys, thanks so much, Jason Whiteley, Cole Thompson, Chris Gordy, Josh Neighbors, Jeff Jones. This was great, and I'm sure there will be a lot more coming down the pipe.